right, welcome back to another episode of Mentally Unscripted, the podcast where you listen to two regular guys talk about complex issues and interview some of the best gurus on all of Twitter. I am Paul. I'm here with Scott. Scott, how are you today? Man, I am doing great today, Paul. Um, we uh, survived Carmageddon, so and I know you know a little bit about that, but uh, for the folks out there in listener land, uh, my girlfriend decided to sell her car, and we bought a minivan, a used minivan. Um, Ooh. And we're a one-car family, so I'm now the <laughs> proud driver of a minivan, which, you know, at my age, I guess it's not so bad. It's nice and roomy and easy to get in and out of, so... Uh, you know, you're you're going to sound like here. John Travolta and get shorty. Where <laughs> right. yeah. I, I can't remember exactly what the line was, but like I think the minivan was the new Mercedes, maybe yeah. I, I, something well, like that. That that sounds good to me. We'll we'll stick with the minivans, the new the new Lambo, I guess as we'll call it. There we go. Yeah, there we go. <laughs> well, so I hear right now that used cars are more valuable than gold. That I mean, they, they've just they've just gone crazy in price. Did you is that is that what your experience was? Um, so I mean, we got a pretty good deal on this one. Um, it, to us, it seemed like the new cars were, um, harder to get, uh, mm. just apparently the chip shortage has just got the supply of new cars, um, down to almost nothing or pretty minimal. Uh, so, uh, we got lucky. Um, you know, my girlfriend, she's pretty thorough. So she just kept her eye out and just kept looking and looking and looking. And she, she found something she liked and she jumped on it. So we're, we're pretty nice. happy. Nice. All right. Well, that's exciting. Uh, getting a new car is always exciting. New house, new car. Whatever the newness is, it's good stuff. Right. So, <laughs> <laughs> well, well, guys, we have a, a treat for you today. Today, we have with us uh, another Twitter guru who's out there making his mark in the Twitter space. This is Words and Minds. And he's the uh, he's going to be the guy telling us how to kill procrastination, which I think is great because I think I procrastinated for most of the day. So uh, you also go by Robert. <laughs> So, Robert, maybe you want to give us a bit of an introduction, um, a little bit of your background. Sure. Well, uh, first of all, thank you for having me. Um, I'm on Twitter as Words and Minds. I guess that if you know me at all, that's where you know me from. Um, my account focuses on mindset issues, but mainly through the lens of procrastination uh, and all the associated problems that come with that. Um, I've tried to make my mark in that area. Um, Twitter nowadays seems to be divided between uh, people talking about money and people talking about mindset, uh, at least in the corner that that we operate in. So right. I figured I'd take, at least try to take uh, a chunk of that space and talk about a topic that everyone seems to suffer from, uh, but no one really talks about in a useful way, I think. So take from that what you will, and uh, I welcome all questions. Yeah. Well, I'm excited to get into the uh, the topic of procrastination. I have a, a long history of it, uh, going you know dating back to when I think I was in second grade. I'll, I'll get to that in a minute. But I, I guess a question. You know, we, we talk about money Twitter. We talk about self improvement Twitter. We talk about um, this space where people are aren't, aren't just going you know, nonstop gangbusters into politics or social issues. They're trying to actually provide some, some help. What brought you into that space? Well, you know, I wasn't, I was kind of a spectator in that space for a long time before I even decided to, to enter it. My account, the words and minds account is only about six months old. Before then I wrote under my own name uh, about scattered things, mainly politics. I got sick of that. Um, it's sort of like running on a treadmill. It just wasn't doing anything for me. Um, I knew about, I knew about these corners of Twitter that were trying to help people. Um, so I decided to pick a problem that I had struggled with for years, uh, which turned out to be procrastination. And because it was a problem that I had solved uh, on my own, no thanks to uh, outside experts that I decided that maybe I could make some improvements in people's lives. So I, I started taking it seriously about six months ago. Yeah. Um, and it was really refreshing to get out of all the talk about elections and, and things of that nature and, and just focus on something where I could kind of riff and give my own theories and, and come up with something original that, that, that people weren't saying. 
Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's it's uh so I came to the space through what I I guess I'll call crypto Twitter, uh, where I was I was looking at the, all the digital assets and I, what I found very quickly was, you know, access to venture capitalists, uh, access to technologists, access to people that were sharing ideas, uh, and then and then that that turned into coming into more what I consider the self improvement Twitter, uh, which I think we we took. The, took that term. I, I hadn't used that before. I'd used always money Twitter. It's kind of people out there making money, but you see, there's a lot of ideas about how to improve your mindset, how to improve your goal making, how right. to, you know, improve the body. So all, all that stuff is, uh, I think it's helpful, but I came to it. I realized, yeah, it's, it's a pretty, pretty interesting space, um, that can be pretty, um, powerful if used correctly. And then obviously we have the other side of it where it just feels like it's platitudes nonstop. We've had a lot of conversations about that. Haven't we Scott? Uh-huh. Yeah. Platitudes and experts or something. We, uh, we right. talk about quite a bit. So that's right. It's, it's sort that's of right. like, uh, it, it's like a Venn diagram that side of Twitter with about six or seven overlapping circles. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And I guess the one thing they share in common is self-improvement on some level. And, and the audiences usually overlap to a pretty large degree. So for instance, I don't write, about money specifically, though I, I, I like money, of course, and and what I do, nice to hear. I, I, I make money by what I do. Um, I, I, you know, I get a lot of that audience. So yeah. right, yeah, yeah I, I think there's definitely a lot of overlap because um, I don't write about money. I think at all ever. Um, most of my stuff would be, I guess, maybe wisdom Twitter, possibly maybe <laughs> psychology Twitter a little bit, I guess. Um, yeah. but I do, I just, I end up with all of those, uh, what, what would you say? Passive income hustlers and those folks going <laughs> up in my feed all the time. And, right, uh, right. and I've asked the question before, if anyone on Twitter knows what passive actually means. And I don't, those, those tweets don't get a lot of engagement. So yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it dries up quickly. Yeah. <laughs> um, well, let's, let's talk a little bit about procrastination, uh, you have a product out there that you're selling through Gumroad, and and actually, I think we were we connected to you uh, as a uh, suggestion from Wisdom and Strategy. He said check you out, so uh, I don't think I was aware of your account until then. And then I saw procrastination. I thought, well, that that kind of fits into what we talk about on this show, which is a lot about mental models and how to approach complex topics and break them apart. Figure out either different ways of communicating, but I think we're also realizing that they can just be used for you know, kind of the space we're in in Twitter, right? The, the self-improvement area. So, so procrastination, start with that. How do you define procrastination? Well, I have my own way. I have my own model for looking at procrastination, which, um, in some ways lines up with, you know, academic opinion and in some ways doesn't. So first of all, academic opinion is divided. You're not good luck trying to find a coherent answer about Mm -hmm procrastination, uh, among academics. Um, and I certainly am not an academic, but I view procrastination as a pattern, a kind of coping mechanism that people use to avoid tasks that are in some way going to cause them stress or anxiety. And this mechanism turns into a pattern. Specifically, it turns into a feedback loop, which feeds on itself and grows on its own negative energy. Hmm. And for that reason, it uh, becomes difficult to break because the longer you do it, it's sort of like quicksand, the harder it is to get out. Um, mm. that's the mental model. I suppose you could use that term. That's the model I'm using to, to think about procrastination. As I said, it's not, I don't consider that to be a hard theory. You know, I'm not doing, uh, you know, I'm not trying to, to revolutionize anything. What I'm doing is I'm giving people a kind of useful concept, conceptual model of how to think about procrastination so that they can make sense of how it works so that they can then get out of it. Yeah, yeah, that's that's, that's, an that's intro- great. Yeah, oh, sorry, yeah. Paul. Well, I was, I was going to say we've we've talked a lot about pattern recognition, and we've uh, we had a couple of uh, sessions or podcasts uh, a couple ago. We were talking about how to use that to explore what what are common call commonly called conspiracy theories. But it's 
you identify patterns in nature and some of them you see false patterns, other ones are, are, are valuable. So it's interesting. I think pattern really resonates with both of us. I hadn't actually thought of procrastination in those in those terms. Have you have you met with somebody and they, you know, you shared that term with them and it kind of like a light bulb went off? Well, I've helped people with procrastination. I've never met with any other experts on procrastination. So I, you know, I haven't, I haven't consulted with psychologists or, or behavioral scientists or neuroscientists. I find a lot of what they do unhelpful for average people. It might be helpful for their circle Mm -hmm. in understanding what procrastination is and, you know, it might help them get published or whatever, but I don't, I, I don't, that's not my audience. My audience is average people who are afflicted with this problem and who need practical advice in order to get out of that pattern. Yeah. Um, we, we had Joey, the cypreneur on, and we talked a little bit about the divergence between research and like you said, practical advice, you know, sometimes the researchers, they have a very controlled, sterile environment and they come up with one answer, but in real life, which is a little more chaotic, a little bit more of a complex system. Um, sometimes um, you need different advice. I know I'm a I'm a weightlifter, and we, you know we talk about bro science in the gym a lot. Where you know it, there's just things that just work that people know about. Right. Although uh, you know the researchers would swear up and down that it's not the best way to do it. But yeah, those bros in the gym will just keep on doing it because they see the results. Um, yeah. So it's immediate feedback. Um, you, it either works or it doesn't, you know, you're in the gym and if you're doing dips or incline bench and you're doing it for five or six months and you're eating your protein and you see your chest getting bigger, then I think it's safe to say you could pass that information on to, to your bros in the gym. If you're doing another exercise and you've been doing it for a year and you haven't seen a, uh, a result, and you find a study on PubMed that says this exercise is going to help you. Well, who are you going to listen to? Really? Exactly. At the end of the day. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Um, so do you, um, do you ever get any pushback from people in the more academic side uh, on some of the things that you tweet about or about your procrastination guide? Uh, I wish I did because that would mean they would know who I am. People, a lot of, you know, people would know who I am. Unfortunately, nobody, you know, few people at this point know who I am. So, okay. I'm looking to get my 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 ideas out there a little bit more, but but no, I I haven't had any pushback, and if I do, uh, I won't really care, um, yeah. because I I don't present myself as words and minds PhD. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm not looking to be published in the uh, Journal of Clinical and Experimental Psychology or whatever it is. I'm just I'm looking to help John Smith, you know get his assignments done. Yeah. Well, I, I think that's the real value that people who are not familiar with Twitter in this space can, can easily miss is that what a lot of people are trying to share, there are solutions to problems today and, and to get a solution out there, which um, I think that's why so many people in the space really value results over credentials. And, uh, and to your point, you're not trying to, tell them anything other than, Hey, this is my story. Here's some valuable techniques I've kind of identified and I, I'd love to share with you. And I think it can be powerful for your life as well. So I, I guess let's, let's start there. Your experience with procrastination, you said you, you figured out, Hey, I've got this issue and you worked and you solved on it. And I, I think even offline you said, well, you know, it's, or maybe I saw a tweet you said, Hey, I still struggle with this at times, but I use these techniques. So how did you like, what's your history with procrastination? So, for a very long time, I was one of those people who I always got done what I had to get done. Right. I was a, I was a good student. Um, I have two master's degrees, you know, I've started businesses, I've gotten things done, but it was always, I always felt it was much more painful than it had to be. And, and I knew I procrastinated and there were things that I wanted to do that I was, wasn't able to bring myself to do for various reasons. Um, working on long writing projects, for instance, the, the goal to write a book, um, the goal to do certain other things, it just wasn't happening for me. And it wasn't happening because I wasn't doing it. And I was, I knew I was, I was aware of 
the problem. In fact, that's one of the defining features of procrastination is that the procrastinator knows what he or she is doing. It's not some unconscious uh, process whereby they just sort of black out and wake up 10 hours later and nothing was done. They know what's going on while they're doing it. And yet it's, it's still, they can't switch off the pattern once they're in it. Um, so there came a point where I think you just kind of hit rock bottom and say, I'm going to do something about this. And you start to try different things. Some things work, some things don't. Um, I found certain things that worked for me. Um, and then there was one kind of light bulb day where, where it kind of started to make sense. I actually came up with my solutions before I came up with the theory behind it. I kind of reverse engineered why this particular thing worked. And from there, I was able to start to unravel um, and pick apart what, what procrastination was. Um, and then I just, from there, it was uh, things building on itself. I was able to uh, get things done and eventually able to write you know, a brief, the brief guide that I have now, top 10 mm -hmm. mistakes from fighting procrastination, which isn't so much a book as a, as a brief guide, uh, which is available for free, by the way, um, which explains the mistakes I made along the way, because that's as important as understanding what to do is understanding what not to do. Right. Yeah. That's, that's always a valuable uh, lesson that people don't want to ask about. They want to hear about all the, the routines that worked out really well and, hear the good story, although they, they love the hero's journey as well. So they all, they, they went it all in the right context. So, so, okay. So you, you kind of hit this rock bottom in your words. How do you look at the difference between prioritization? Because I feel like a, a part of the rationalization could be, uh, I've just decided to focus on something else. This is a higher priority versus, um, no, I'm procrastinating or I'm using these techniques to procrastinate. Is there, is there some clarity there? Or, or is that just kind of a unique case that doesn't come up much? Um, do you mean what the difference is between prioritizing and, and procrastinating? Yeah, maybe that's a maybe that's a better way of phrasing the question. Um, it, there's no hard and there's no hard and fast rule. Um, it, it's it's a, the subjective experience of procrastination. You'll know it when you see it, which is you'll experience pain. <laughs> you'll experience distress you will know that you're avoiding something um, regardless of your rationalization. Mm -hmm. um, it's not simply a matter of, well, I do this every day, but today I'm not going to do it because I have to go to a doctor's appointment, right? The doctor's appointment takes precedence in that case. That's not procrastination. And you'll know that um, procrastination is, you know, I, I haven't done this at all. And instead of doing it, I'm going to rearrange my sock drawer today. Mm. <laughs> <laughs> and it, it, it's obvious the difference between those are two extreme examples. But um, it comes down to the, the subjective experience, the motivation behind the pattern. Prioritization is about um, allocating scarce resources, in this case, time. Uh, and procrastination is about uh, avoiding something that you have to get done. Yeah. So regardless of what else has to get done. Right. Yeah. So when you were talking, one thing that popped into my hot mind is that um, procrastinators may be more short-term focused, like they're willing to, instead of doing their work, they're willing to, you know, watch videos on YouTube, sort of get that short-term pleasure um, even though it's going to bring long-term pain or discomfort. Do you, is that something that you see? Absolutely. And I do think that's one area where, um, you know, I probably, my opinions probably line up with, with mainstream academics, which is that, yes, this is about prioritizing short-term pleasure over, over long-term pain, or, or even though in the long run, you're going to have more pain by avoiding Right. The brain is not really able to make that distinction for you in many situations. Um, so yes, I would agree with that. Okay. Interesting. Are, are there other 
Um, I mean, so this, this is kind of your story of going through procrastination, you know, a light bulb moment. Uh, you mentioned that, you know, your, your, your guide and, and correct me if I'm wrong, you're working on something more extensive than the guide you currently have, right? Yes. Is that, several is that things, accurate? Yes. Okay. Excellent. Including a book, a book, a longer book, which actually describes the solutions and, a, a coaching program. Got it. Okay. So, um, as you went through this process, I guess, what are some of the lessons that you learned, either mistakes that you made that you were kind of, um, dealing with, or maybe it's just kind of aha moments. Cause I know you mentioned there was at least one big one, but maybe there's a couple more that you could kind of share with the yeah, audience. There are, there are definitely many mistakes that I made. Uh, I chose the top 10 that appear in the guide, um, and I'll tell you the biggest one, the one that made yeah. the most difference for me was making better use of my mornings. Um, because procrastination is a feedback loop, you have to get it. You have to get to it as early as you can, right? You have to interrupt the pattern as early as you can. Well, you, we can't get in a time machine and go back to the beginning. The closest thing we have to that is right when we wake up, right? Because that's, that's the closest thing we have to beginning again, is the beginning of each day. That's also when your brain's resistance will be low, at its lowest. Because you haven't yet begun the pattern. You haven't yet been drawn into the quicksand for that day. So if you're able to uh, make certain changes involving certain activities earlier in the day, you will gain a tremendous amount of momentum to continue that. In fact, my whole, my whole system, if you can call it a system is based on the idea of momentum, um, which is based on, is it, I forget which law of science it is. Object emotion tends to stay in motion or, or, mm -hmm. um, my version of that is to say that a productive person tends to stay productive. Hmm. The problem with like starting that, right? In yeah. fact, that's the whole kind of chicken or the egg problem with a lot of procrastinators and, and why a lot of advice for them doesn't work. A lot of the mainstream advice actually doesn't work because the mainstream advice tells you all sorts of things that will make it worse. It will tell you things like how to make a complex schedule which is one of the mistakes I put in my book. It will tell you, well, just get started. Well, you might as well tell somebody with a broken leg just to stand up and walk because that's not going to happen. So what, how do we walk that back even further? You know, how do you get to the point where you can start? Um, and that's what my system focuses on. Yeah, that's, that's great. Um, yeah. So what you're referring to, that's Newton's first law of motion right. is yeah, the law of inertia. <laughs> uh, and that's something that uh, I've been making use of too. Uh, I, I think it's a great mental model. The idea that it, once you're going, it takes more energy to stop than it does to just keep going. And then, you know, conversely, you know, that if you stop, it's going to take more energy to get going again. Uh, so that's something that I keep in right. mind to, to keep myself going throughout the day as well. Yeah, no, I, I, I feel the same. I, I like to wake up early. I, I'm, I'm more alert and active and, uh, I feel like it's a better, better, more productive start to my day. Although I'm realizing, um, uh, <laughs> right now I need to, to refine some of my habits that are, uh, they've gotten a little bit off the rails, but I, I think that's perhaps another, I mean, that's my own observation going through life is that, um, habits need to be, um, resistant, um, or I guess you could call them, you know, using Taleb's kind of idea of anti-fragile, right? There has to be some kind of immune response, whereas you, if they, if they fall apart, they have to be able to strengthen as you rebuild them or something similar. Right, um, right. So I, I guess a question, uh, hopefully this is kind of the linear flow of, of what we're going through, but do you see a pattern at all in the type of people that, that tend to procrastinate more or, or than others? No, I, I don't. I would be lying if I said that I knew of particular subsets of people who procrastinate more than others. I mean, it's so common now in the modern world. I mean, you'll see different figures quoted, for instance, different studies will tell you different things. But one, one figure you might see is 20% of 
of American men and women procrastinate. That number goes up dramatically in some populations, including students, where it's probably as high as 80 or 90 percent. So this is not a problem that is easily, uh, you know, where you can easily point the figure at, uh, finger at certain characteristics of certain people, certain people from certain places. It, it's all over the place. Mm. It's all over the workforce. It's all over, uh, all over the student population, all over young, younger people, older people. Um, so I, I would be lying to you if I said I could point to a specific group of people. Yeah. Yeah. Do you, do you yeah, have any, yeah. Do you have any sense on how much effort people will put into procrastinating? Um, I'm thinking, you know, they're, they're there at their desk. They've got everything they need to start working. And yet they put effort into finding an excuse to go do something else. So they do the, you do have, you, you have, you can break it down generally into kind of two types of procrastinators. One is just the lazy type, uh, the lazy subtype, I guess, if we want to sound clinical about it, where (laughs) instead of doing the work, they'll simply lay around and, you know, watch Netflix or play video games. Then you have a more ingenious type who will come up with more Baroque ways of avoiding the work. And in some cases, we'll even do certain tangential tasks related to the work that make them feel as though they have made progress on the work. But when you really look at it, it's just another avoidance pattern. So, for instance, let's say you have to, you know, one of your, one of your goals is to start a business. Um, and instead of, you haven't done anything yet. And on, you decide one day I'm going to sit down and I'm going to work at, at starting this business. Now, instead of actually doing something useful, like creating the website or, or starting to reach out to your network to get clients, you do something very petty, like you know, research what kind of limited liability company would be most appropriate for your business, which doesn't even exist yet. This is the illusion of productivity. You feel as though you've done something. You know, now I know what corporate structure my non-existent business is going to have. And you could pat yourself on the back and say that you did the work for the day, but you've actually done nothing. That's also procrastination. It's just a more intellectual form of it. Right. So as you're saying that, I was thinking of going down the rabbit hole. I, I do that a lot if I'm writing a blog post or something and I, I I go research something and, you know, then hyperlink over to another website and then hyperlink to another website. And before I know I've blown an hour, just not doing anything very useful. <laughs> right. Yeah. You know, the story, the, the idea of uh, checking out all the legal aspects of, uh, of a business and, and, we talk a lot about you know getting people getting their business cards and getting their um, spending right. days or months on their logos before they even understand exactly what their offer is. Uh, which yeah, is exactly that's exactly what I'm talking. That's even a better example. Yeah, yeah. I, um, and it's it's hard, right? Because some of those activities that people are undertaking are uh, considered socially acceptable or even uh, rewarded. So I, I, uh, I have a book look at my shelf, uh, super thinking, um, which is you know, a book of mental models, but he has a section in there about procrastination. And there was like, there was a whole grid of them. And one of them was like having the cleanest house, you know, on the block <laughs> and having the best shrubs. And then, you know, you've got an email inbox that looks like it was, you know, created by Gmail. Right. So you just have all of these activities that people are going, Oh, that's great. You know, you've been busy, right? The, I guess the difference between being busy and being productive. Yeah. Yes, that's yeah. right. Yeah, that's right. It's also why I disagree with the view that procrastinators are lazy necessarily. I don't I don't think laziness is the origin of procrastination because there are many procrastinators who will do other things that require work in order to avoid the thing they know that they should be doing, right? If you have to do something and instead you decide you're going to paint your living room 
you're obviously not being lazy because you have the energy and you have the, you have the get up and go in order to do these other tasks. Um, so there's something else about that other task that makes you avoid it, which is why I said in the beginning that it's a kind of coping mechanism for tasks that are going to cause you a particular kind of stress. Uh, and I think that's the key. Yeah. So do you think risk aversion comes into play? Uh, thinking about the business example, if you're, if you spend your time researching what kind of business structure you want, you're not, you're not risking anything, but once you start up that LLC and you start bringing in clients, right, you're, you're, you're putting some stuff, you're putting your reputation and your livelihood on the line at that point. Um, so is it maybe risk aversion that's causing people to not get started? It's risk aversion. It's ego. Uh, it's preserving a particular image of themselves that they have in their head, right? One of the um, mistakes that I mentioned in my guide is, is the mistake of fantasizing too much about a particular goal you have. Because one of the um, unintended consequences of that is that your procrastination might get worse because you will resist the you will resist taking the risk that you will fail because you like this fantasy that you have in your head, right? I'm going to start this business. I'm going to be really successful. I'm going to be rich. People are going to love me. You have this whole kind of narrative in your head of what this is going to be like. If you start it, it might not be like that. You want to avoid that reality, that possible reality that it might not be what you fantasized about. So you, you, you resist taking those steps. Um, you want to stay comforted by these daydreams that you have. Oh, that, yeah, that's an excellent point. I never looked at it that way. I, I guess it's, it's the, the dream that can't be falsified because you never failed. <laughs> that's right. Yeah, that's right. And the brain will, on many levels, our monkey brains or lizard brains or whatever you would want to call it, can't tell the difference between uh, not starting and not failing because hmm. in either case it's short term, you know, it's pain. They just, it just wants to protect you in the short term. So it's not thinking about those, those, those long term consequences. Yeah, that's, that's fascinating. Uh, I was, I was doing some research on regret and one of the, uh, the points that stood out to me was that people have, bigger regrets for activities they didn't take. Uh, and that has to do with this concept of opportunity where again, it goes into this, this it's, it's, it's almost the reverse of what you're talking about, but I feel like it could play into it because they have this idea. Well, I, I could have education comes up frequently and they said, Oh, I, I could have been something better. And I, I didn't end up going into this major as an example. And if I'd done that, all these things could happen. So they layer on all the most optimistic views of what could have happened, right? Uh, without the realistic aspect of, well, maybe you didn't finish the degree program or maybe, you know, the, the realism doesn't really set in. Um, and then here it's, it's almost like, you know, you're, you're not even, you're doing the opposite of it because you're, you're, you're creating this opportunity to not have the, the idea of failure break in. Um, but it's playing, it's, it's almost the same power, but playing in the opposite direction. So it's, it's a very interesting concept to me. And, and again, I hadn't thought of it that way. Well, the, uh, <laughs> the mind is a bizarre thing and, um, it can sabotage you in a million ways. Uh, that's, yeah. that's really all I pretend to know about things. Right. Um, you know, the brain is a patterning machine. Uh, it has certain tendencies. Um, it, it works based on patterns and pattern recognition. And if you do a certain thing enough times, you're going to keep doing it because those circuits will be activated easily and more easily next time. Um, and, and it doesn't matter sometimes whether it's, it's hurtful to you. Yeah. In fact, I think we have more examples of self-destructive behavior than we do of, of constructive behavior in people, yeah. right? Most people don't get up and, and work really, really hard every day and, and optimize every aspect of their lives, right? You have a lot of people out there who, uh, harm themselves, who take drugs, who are falling into all sorts of patterns that logically make no sense. 
because logically you should think, well, you're hurting yourself. So why are you doing that? But, but the brain is doing something different. Um, it's just running its old programs. Yeah. Um, so I'm, I'm trying to help people reprogram themselves on some level. Yeah. Yeah. Some of this sounds a little bit like the illusory truth. Um, so the illusory, illusory truth is when you hear something that you know is false, but you hear it enough times, you find yourself beginning to believe it. Mm-hmm. Uh, so I've heard um, like Facebook, uh, the, the crew at Facebook that goes through and, and reviews content, you know, they may, they know something is false, but they keep seeing it over and over and over again. And so they admitted that they find themselves starting to believe it. Uh, so I wonder if it's maybe something similar has happened, right? You get into a routine, you get into a habit of doing a particular action or sequence of actions, and it just becomes hard for you to break out of that and, and get to work and do what you need to do. That's it. In many cases, that's all it is. Sometimes it goes deeper than that. Sometimes it doesn't. Sometimes you could, you know, you could view it in the same way that you would a phobia, right? Why are some people afraid of spiders? Well, I don't know, but what, hap- what happens when they do see a spider, right? A certain circuit or pathway is activated in the brain. Brain sort of shuffles through all of its images it has of spiders and it activates what it's used to, which is some kind of adrenal stress response. Mm-hmm. Um, it might not make logical sense, but maybe that's what happened to the person when they were young. A spider crawled on them and they got scared. And now that they keep repeating that pattern over and over and over again for years. And it's etched into the brain, almost like, you know, car marks on mud or something. They're, they're in there and it's the path of least resistance for the brain because it's done it so many times. So reading through some of the commentary on, on Twitter, I, I know you've talked about why you think this is problematic procrastination is not just a nuisance. It's actually a a problem or a significant problem. Is that an accurate portrayal of how you see it? Or would you say it's less so or more so? How do you see it as impacting kind of society or just maybe individuals? Uh, Especially nowadays, it's it's a big problem. Um, Because this is not something that is easily overcome, I know from personal experience. There are a few useful resources out there. Most people don't get help with it, right? Most people don't seek out uh, professional help on it, certainly. Um, And so they're kind of just left out there assuming that this is what everybody does. And everybody, a lot of people do do it, but they assume that it can't be solved. And it's just sort of the natural course of things like, well, I'm just, it's hard work. So it makes sense that I'm not going to want to do it. This is holding people back from doing so much and from doing things that basic things too on a day-to-day level that could really make a difference in their lives, uh, such as getting in shape or, or doing something that's going to make them truly happy, like starting a business or, or you know, joining a particular group. Uh, or even some people have problems with it on an even more basic level, which is things like cleaning the house or getting their taxes done or just basic functional things. So, you know, this is not a problem that's confined to a small group of people in the population. Um, This is a problem that's in many ways endemic. So uh, I'm, I have no problem saying that I think it's a, that I think it's a huge problem in society and that not, not as many people are addressing it as, as should be. You've mentioned that you've you've helped some people, um, you know, beyond your your own story. You've you've tried to and help people work on their procrastination. I was curious. Do you see procrastination more with like self pursuits uh, with those people that you've worked with, or do you also see it um, just as common? I mean, we we don't. I don't normally call procrastination when it comes to. Um, healing a relationship. Let's say you get into a fight with somebody or let's say you, you haven't spoken to someone in a while. I, I don't usually hear procrastination used as a way like you're just procrastinating, not picking up the phone and talking to somebody, right? Whereas I, I feel like procrastination is used mostly uh, or, or more frequently when we're talking about things like 
as you said, starting a job or starting a business, writing that book, sort of those pursuits. What are you, I, I guess I, I'm trying to think of the, the right question for that, but is, is it, is it about really your own pursuits and what you're doing? Does it extend out to a broader set of activities? Could it be applied to any activity? I suppose it could. We, we might not call it procrastination then, even though it might essentially be that. Um, most of the problems I've dealt with personally, uh, both in myself and in helping others and in just studying this problem, usually does have to do with personal pursuits. For one reason or another, you might you know, I might theorize that because it's personal pursuits are, uh, you know, compromise our ego if we fail and things of that nature. So we're more likely to avoid them. Um, so I would say, you know, I would say, yes, in my experience, it is more to do with, uh, things that affect us personally instead of communally or in being involved in a relationship. Although you could, I mean, the English language is malleable. You could point to reasons why those other things could be considered procrastination. But then I think maybe you're just playing word games, you know. Sure. Um, maybe we could bring the solution to procrastination to bear on other problems of that nature. But um, maybe I'm, I'm not the right person to do that. <laughs> I'm not a therapist, ultimately. Yeah. Yeah. Well, and, and uh, it, we, we spoke at the beginning of the conversation about the difference between sort of the, the clinical and credentialized view of it and the pragmatic side of it. And uh, I've shared before, my sister is a PhD in psychology. Um, she she works with patients, but it, her, going, her going through the process of education really gave me the sense of the difference between abnormal psychology and dealing with some of those, those problems. And then the sort of other, I would say a much larger space where people are looking for answers to understand and improve rather than addressing something. Now, abnormal psych is very much on one side, like people that have you know, problems in their brain of, of operating. Then you have people that have deep kind of residual damage of some kind of event that need therapists, right? So those aren't, that's not the whole bucket. But then you have this whole other side where I think psychology can help us understand how people, again, just need to improve, right? Um, be it everything from relationships to sort of their own view on how to actually accomplish something that they, they tell us they want to do, right? Write a book, start a business, whatever the case may be. So, okay. Solutions. Cause anybody who's thinking about procrastination wants to, wants to hear about solutions. Uh, and, and we love to try and give them. So where do you start with that person? Okay. So what I would do is I'm going to try to get a sense of what their patterns are. Um, in most cases, that's almost a superfluous step because most people's patterns look the same. Uh, their avoidance patterns are very, very similar. Um, and that's why procrastination is such a relatable problem, right? We all know what we're talking about when we talk about procrastination because we all recognize those patterns as something that we've done at one point or another in our lives. But, I'm, but I am trying to get a, a sense of what they're doing on a daily basis so that I can try to reverse engineer the problem. But really the essence of the solution is to identify what the current patterns are. Then what you're going to do is you're going to introduce new patterns by lowering the brain's resistance to starting those new patterns and kick off a new feedback loop, positive feedback loop that will slowly replace the old negative feedback loop. Um, this can be done. Sometimes this is done. This can be done very, very quickly. Um, other times it takes a little bit more work. I always start by, you know, forcing the people to make better use of their mornings. Getting up earlier is probably the most important step. I sort of discovered these solutions in an almost accidental way. When I gave myself this challenge I said, I was going to do a hundred pushups a day for 30 days. This had nothing to do with curing my procrastination at the time. I just wanted to do something fitness related to get myself back, uh, uh back in some kind of shape. And I said, okay, I'm going to do a hundred pushups a day for 30 days and, you know, break it down into 10 sets or whatever, or five sets of 20. I'm going to start in the morning because that's when I had time to do it. What I noticed was that 
simply by doing that early in the morning, I was more likely to continue to do productive work later in the day. Um, and this gave me a tremendous amount of momentum, right? I noticed that, well, I did the push-ups, so I might as well do this. Well, I did this, so I might as well do that. And then before you know it, you're kind of in this other cycle of um, productive work instead of avoidance. Um, that That's kind of the basic, it's a basic way to approach it that in some cases in more milder forms of procrastination, that's all somebody will need uh, is simply to try uh, one new thing to start a new pattern. Uh, in some cases, you have to play with it a little bit more because some people have just been in the pattern for so long, they need special attention. But creating momentum is at the heart of the solutions I try to give to people. What's been the greatest resistance to starting that new pattern? I, I think a lot about can't and won't. And uh, I think most people confuse can't with won't and they don't want to do something. So you tell someone to get up earlier. That's right. Is that the biggest uh, point of it resistance can, or do they say something else? It can be. And uh, the way to do that is to continue to walk back the ask to make it smaller and smaller and smaller. So you say, get up a half hour earlier and they can't do it. Okay, get up 25 minutes earlier. They can't do it. Get up 20 minutes earlier. You walk it back until it's one minute earlier. Um, but once they're able to do something, even if it's getting up one minute earlier, then you've got a hook. You can work from that and you can keep expanding that. That's You can mm. see how this might take a while for certain people. Yeah. You know, For certain people, they even though they might be procrastinators, they can at least get up a half hour earlier. You know, they could at least work with you on that. Some people can't, depending or won't, as you say. Uh, in some cases, it's a distinction without a difference because the, the, the end result is that they're not doing it. Right. You have to find yeah. ways to kind of trick them into doing it or trick their brains into allowing them to do it. Um, so, yeah, you work on a case-by-case basis in, the, in that. And you lower resistance by the slowly introducing the pattern in smaller and smaller ways. Yeah, so, that, that makes sense. Scott? Yeah. I, yeah, I think we all know that humans, like, we are just machines at – coming up with justifications for our actions. Um, so how do you overcome someone who refuses to admit that they're really procrastinating? Um, and I'm thinking like an example, going back to the business example, you may be telling yourself, well, I need to research these business structures. It, you know, it's imperative that I do this when the reality is, is you really don't. The reality is, is they are just using that to procrastinate. Uh, so I, I guess it's maybe somebody's in a little bit of denial or like I said, they're rationalizing what they're doing to avoid putting off the task they really need to do. How would right. you overcome that? Um, I would do my best to try to convince them why, you know, certain things were avoidance patterns rather than productive patterns. And look, there gets to a point where if I'm not able to do that, because as I said, I'm not a therapist and I'm not out to save the world. I'm out to help people. There will come a point where I will tell somebody I can't work with you. You know, I can't work with everybody. You know, you have to come to me. Um, you have to be willing to do something. Uh, if you're not willing to do anything, then, you know, that's your problem. Right. That because ultimately I, I'm not you might've used the word guru at the beginning in a kind of tongue in cheek way. Um, I don't see myself in any way as kind of a, a you know, a self-help guru. I'll help people if they want to work and I will help them to work if they have trouble working. Well, there does come a point where that, that regress goes back far enough where you reach a point where you really can't help somebody and you can't work with them. Thankfully that's rare enough. I haven't run into it yet. Um, I haven't worked with that many people, but the people I have worked with, I've been able to, to help. Yeah. Um, but the, I'm sure there are people out there who, as you said, would continue to come up with kind of a Socratic spiral of wait, Well, why do I have to do this? Well, why do I have to do that? In which case I would just say, you know, go away and find somebody else. Yeah. Well, and it's probably, if they're coming to you, they've probably already recognized an issue and admitted to it. Right. 
Um, right. So yeah, just the, the, the whole nature of the situation may be selecting those people who don't want to admit they have an issue with procrastination, just selecting them out before they even get to you. So I guess right. that's, that's a good thing. Yeah. I, yeah. You got to qualify uh, people. And I, I think you said it well, right? There's a difference between people that need clinical help uh, whose, whose lives are just uh, in need of a therapist versus someone who's just trying to, to move in more of a performance-based improvement kind of view, right? That's right. Right. There, there's pathology and then there's average people's problems. Um, yeah. I, I'm not out to cure pathology. You know, sure. I'm, I'm here to help the average person who you know, exists on a spectrum from mild to severe procrastination. And, and I believe I have something to offer everybody, but I'm, I don't pretend to be able to help everybody. And I don't pretend to have all the answers, but I do have some pretty good answers for some, for some pretty common problems. Yeah, so that's, that's awesome. Yeah. You, you, you've talked about sort of, um, you've, you've improved and, and kind of broken the back of the procrastination, uh, beast, but then there's times it's crept back into your life. So I guess from a rebound perspective, is there anything different than kind of resetting the pattern or do you have, is there sort of additional techniques you look at uh, as you're, as you're trying to rebound and, and I guess go back and, and conquer procrastination? Well, as you, the more you do something, the easier it gets. So the more you're productive, the easier it will get to stay productive. The, when it comes to relapses, if you, if you do have, I'm using that clinical term relapse, it sounds medical, but if, if you find yourself procrastinating again, chances are, and that does happen. It happens to me. Uh, you know, yeah. I find myself on certain days having a little bit more resistance to things than normal. Uh, it happens to everybody. The key is that if you've been productive long enough, if you if those patterns have become familiar to your brain, the productive patterns, the relapse won't probably won't be as bad as it was before, right? Uh, in other words, if it comes back, it probably won't be to the to the degree it was before, and you'll know now what to do to get back on track. So it's about giving people tools as well. Yeah. Um, so the 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 key is just to recognize that you are going to have those days reject perfection because that's you know the the perfect really is the enemy of the good yeah i i am of the same mindset and uh it's something i had to teach uh young people coming straight out of undergrad into the program i was working at at school was that they they were taught that they were going to be graded um <laughs> on the perfect answers and i'm going there are none there are none there's getting it to me good enough so that we can take it forward to the next stage. <laughs> it's, it, it's a difference in thinking, right? It's a difference in mindset. So, right. so, okay. We, I, I feel like we've covered a lot of terrain here in terms of procrastination from your definition of it, why it exists, why it's so common, why it's terrible, and then a solution to it. What haven't we covered? Well, I guess what's a question you would have expected us to ask about procrastination that we haven't. You know, you guys have been pretty thorough. Um, <laughs> nothing immediately immediately comes to mind I, I guess you you may have asked i'm sort of glad you didn't because i don't have the answer <laughs> uh i'll put myself on the spot i love Is, it you I know, love has it. procrastination gotten worse over time as a result of technology mm -hmm. um i would imagine that it has um i really would it means just all of the different ways we can distract ourselves yeah the, the ease with which we can do that the, the ease with which we can be diverted uh, and, and our brains overwhelmed by all sorts of white noise, nonsense information, junk information, junk waves coming out of screens and things like that. Yeah, I would, I would say that that's, it probably has gotten worse. Yeah, I, I would say that technology has probably reduced the friction um, mm -hmm. involved in, in doing those procrastination tasks, I guess, what yes. we could call them. Well, yeah, and I actually, I guess it's, it's a perspective or an opinion here. I feel as though there, there comes a point where we're going to look back and say, man, this was, we, we already have discussions about the, the, the challenges of the dopamine effect, right? Of these, these scrolling, right? Which is just yeah. constantly looking for dopamine hits. 
But I, I feel like this is the, the tip of the iceberg, right? Where we know attention spans are, are shortening. It's easier, as we said, with less friction to just be distracted nonstop. And it's, I'm not even sure if we know the second, third, fourth, fifth order consequences of everyone being distracted on a continuous basis. So it feels like in, we're, we're, we're going to not just treat it as, a, oh, hey, it's a, it's a terrible, terrible issue. It's going to be, okay, we need true safeguards to prevent your mind from being completely rotted out. Um, yeah, although what incentive is there for big companies to come up with such solutions, really? <laughs> just the one that wants to make a billion dollars selling you the solution, right? <laughs> Definitely not the ones creating the problem. Yeah, exactly well, right. And the ones, but the ones creating the problem are, are the ones running the show ultimately. Yeah, so. yeah, yeah. Ultimately, Facebook and Twitter and Apple—they want you procrastinating because it means you're likely using their products. That's yeah. right. Yeah, That's right. I I know it, it. It kind of amazed me. I have. Um, spending a lot of time with my parents these days and they're in their seventies. My in-laws are as well. And we just, we, we get around the table and we need to make conscious efforts to put our phones down. You know, like I'm, I'm, I'm going to get a little, a little lockbox, and you know, we're going to, we're going to put those phones in the lockbox on the weekends and say, you can't get to them because you know, if we don't do that, I feel like we end up, uh, we're, we're just our, our brains automatically reach out for it. Right. It's, you That's know, right. it's, right. it's terrible. That's right. So, well, uh, Robert, we're, we're about, you know, at the top of the hour and I feel like we've, we've gone into the, uh, procrastination rabbit hole. And I, I think these ideas are fantastic. And I think that there's a lot of value that you can, you can share with a lot of people. As you said, you're not trying to deal with pathology. You're trying to just help people that want to improve. So, so walk us through kind of where you're at and where you're going with this whole platform you're doing, you know, the anti-procrastination platform. Well, uh, I have the, the free book out. And as I said, I have two other things in the pipeline. Uh, one is a, a coaching prop, a coaching program. Uh, the other is a longer book that will go more in depth with the solutions for procrastination. So the, the current guide is more of just a kind of macro level view of procrastination and the mistakes that one could make. Uh, whereas my, my next products will be more solution focused. Um, so those, I don't have a hard date on when, when those will be ready, uh, sometime this year. Um, and the coaching program will, will come out before the book. Um, and that's really, that's really where I am. Um, I would be lying if I said that I'm not considering rolling out a podcast as well, although I won't <laughs> mention that on, you know, a competitor's platform. <laughs> There's plenty of space. There's plenty of space. Besides, yeah. you know, if procrastination gets the better of you, we may never see it. So that's okay. Right. Although yeah, I know well, you, hey, you've got all the I'm, tools to fight it. <laughs> I'm on a roll now. I'm, that's I'm, right. You got the momentum, right? That's right. Um, I, I think that's, I think that's helpful. I, uh, talking to some of the other uh, people like, like Joey, the psychpreneur that are helping uh, entrepreneurs and others get started. It feels like there's just a world of need of people trying to negotiate challenges of modern day with the distractions that we just referenced, plus obviously a host of other, other things. So, um, well, great. Well, well, Scott, is there anything we missed that we should have asked, uh, asked Robert? No, um, I can't think of anything. So Robert, uh, want to let us know where people can find you? Sure. So the easiest way to find me is on Twitter at Twitter. words and minds. So at W O R D S A N D M I N D S. Okay. Um, and I have a link to my little humble little book in my Twitter profile, though you can also find it on Gumroad, uh, top 10 mistakes when fighting procrastination. Okay. Uh, I welcome everyone to ask questions. I give out a lot of information for free, so I'm willing to talk to anybody on Twitter. All right. Yeah. And we'll link to all of that in the show notes. Yeah, Absolutely. Well, Robert, again, we appreciate you taking the time to be with us. We're we're going to uh, have to come back once uh, you've launched the next couple of legs of your uh, of your platform. You got the book out, you got the coaching out, and uh, we can talk about uh, the uh, 
what you're seeing now is you're coaching more people and the procrastination. You just got a, a bigger set of a uh, bigger population of people you're working on. But we really appreciate you joining us today and uh, sharing your thoughts on this topic. It was my pleasure. Awesome. Thanks. Right. Appreciate it. All right. Well, uh, thank you for everyone for tuning in to another episode of Mentally Inscripted. Wherever you are, go find us. Leave us your comments. What do we miss? What other questions should we ask Robert about procrastination? Uh, maybe you want to know what we're procrastinating on and <laughs> what what's sitting in our dustbin of things to do. Uh, but uh, if it's on Apple, if it's on Spotify, wherever it is, uh, leave your comments, leave us your ideas. And uh, until next time, take care. Ciao.